Thanks for being with us on a very special edition of NBL Now. It is only a couple of days after the Sydney Kings saw their season come to an end in the playing qualifier at Kudos Bank Arena. And things have happened very, very swiftly. I'm Jack Heverin, joined alongside Olga Newlich, the best newsbreaker in Australian basketball, and Brad Rosen, a man who has had the distinct honour of captaining the Sydney Kings and sees them each and every week. Gentlemen, welcome to both of you. Olga, let's start with the news. What's gone down this afternoon? Yeah, Jack, the Sydney Kings this afternoon parted ways with head coach Mahmoud abdel Uh Now, this was a season that started quite well for the Sydney Kings, but around the midway point, really started to go downhill. Uh, there was, from what I was told, a, a disconnect between abdel Fattah and that playing group. From round seven onwards, this team didn't win back-to-back games, which is an incredible stat for a team that was so talented. Uh, they went 13-15, and 15, snuck into the play-in, uh, lost to New Zealand in that play-in qualifier, and the Sydney Kings uh, didn't drag their feet in making a decision here. It seemed like they knew that uh, abdel Fattah was not the man for the job going forward. And so today, March 1st, Friday afternoon, they cut ties with him. Brad, this has only recently just landed, so I, I guess it's first reflections. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's the right thing. Uh, what I'm really happy about is the Kings didn't muck around. Uh, it, you know, you look at what happened with the Kings over the last few years, very successful, winning two championships, and and on the back of a strong leadership group that is at Andrew Bogut, Paul Smith, um, and, and the group that they've got with Luke Longley and, and Chris Pongrass. I love the fact that 48 hours after, you know, it was proven that this season didn't work uh, with the way they wanted. Yes, they made the plane and they did what they had to do, but I love the fact that the Kings have said, no, nah, this is not the standard we want. This is not what we're happy about. It doesn't matter that there's a second year on the contract. It didn't work. We move on. And I think it's the right move. So where do we think it's gone wrong for Coach Abdel Fattah? Because he came in with outstanding credentials uh, and Sydney have had great success with bringing American G League style coaches to the NBL, but this one hasn't worked. Do we do we know why? Look, I think the answer is, is They've been very successful with the G League coaches. There's no question about that with back-to-back championships and the way they've been. It's just that this done one didn't work. That's as simple as it is. I, I listened to him in in post-game interviews and things, and one of the things was asked is he he mentioned how he would go into games and he'd be down players in the G League. You know, you could have five players sitting out, whether they've gone up to an NBA team or for whatever reason. So he just deals with the next man up. Doesn't work like that in the NBL, unfortunately. That's not how it revolves around here. You look at a situation with Angus Glass, and you ask what happened there and it was just like it's part of the rotations nah not in the NBL this guy Angus Glover has blood sweat and tears and don't want to say single-handedly help the Kings win a championship because that's not fair to the Xavier Cooks and the other players from last year but he was instrumental the guy was starting five weeks ago and now he's not playing at all so you just knew there were things that something wasn't right and I'm not saying that Coach Mood is a bad coach what I am saying is it just didn't fit with the Sydney Kings so you move on and start again we saw Chase Buford, the start of his tenure with the Sydney Kings, did not start as well as the team wanted it to, but he did. He was able to really adjust to the FIBA game and to the NBL game and how the game is played here. Uh, and, and that just wasn't something that Abdel Fattah was able to do. He really stuck to his guns, the style of play, what he does schematically in the G League and with the Houston Rockets last year. That was the stuff that he stuck to. And, and we didn't really see many adjustments. And, and there was a point where... They were, they were switching everything on, on defense. And that's mm. really not something that's sustainable in the NBL. It's the one of the most scouted leagues when it, when it comes to scouting each other. Uh, and then offensively, it, they had a great offense, but there was nothing creative about it. And so down the stretch of games, we saw them sort of handcuffed to an extent. And 
those sorts, those lack of adjustments, the, the inability to value each possession and each game as much as they perhaps should have, those are like, they, those are FIBA learnings. Those are things that a more experienced FIBA or NBL coach is more aware of. And it didn't seem like something that Abdel Fattah was able to grasp, at least in this first season. So, Olgan, how far out have these conversations been going on and the, and the discussion around Abdel Fattah's future? Because to be honest, Brad and I are at Kudos Bank Arena pretty much every week across this season. And about five weeks ago, we started to hear some rumblings. Now, you don't always believe everything that you hear, as you well know, but do, do we have a sort of sense of when the conversation started to get very serious about his future? Yeah, five weeks ago sounds about right, about a month prior to the season ending. Uh, there were some of those talks among the decision makers in this franchise uh, about whether Abdel Fattah is the right man going forward. And it, it got to a point where those discussions got quite serious, uh, but there wasn't much time left in the season. So it almost got to a point where they had to accept that this is what we have. We have to try and make this work. There is there was still a potential for this team to go and win a championship. So we have to lean into this and then we can revisit this after the season, no matter what the outcome is. Uh, but these these have been chats that have been going on and obviously being ousted in the playing qualifier is something that makes those discussions really come to a head. And question to both of you, do, you, do you think there was any possibility that the ownership group could have been influenced by what was going on at other teams? We saw the success that Illawarra had with Justin Tatum coming in. Likewise, Scott Ninnis, when he came in for the Adelaide 36ers, now they've both got the job full-time. Could there or should there have been some consideration around that Christmas New Year period? Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying and, and I look at what the Kings and, and you can sit back. Hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And you can sit back here and go, damn, if we were to make that choice six weeks ago, who knows who would have taken over, what would have happened? And you look at what's happened with Tatum and you look at Scotty Ninnis and both clubs, you know, went upwards from that situation and you think to yourself, damn, we maybe should have done it. But you can also say that the guy was, you know, a G League coach. And when you look at the beginning of the season, the team was outstanding. And you got to sit back there and go, we can. We've seen it. We know that we've got it. We've just got it. It's a twink. It's this. DJ Hogue's out, but he's coming back. Maybe that will be the change. So, you know, you look back and say, damn, they should have done it. But you can also understand why they didn't on the fact of what they proved at the beginning of the season, that they were one, if not the better teams in the league. Yeah. And and Jack, I think Brad's point to DJ Hogue is spot on as well. They, they were missing someone who was their second best, arguably their best player for a good chunk of the season. So there is a good argument that wait until he comes back into the lineup, wait until Jalen Galloway comes back into the lineup and see what we have here. And then there's also just a general grace period that you give someone like Abdel Fattah, who not long ago was the G League coach of the year, won a G League championship, mm -hmm. was an assistant coach with an NBA team. You trust in this guy figuring it out. Uh, it just so happened that he unfortunately didn't figure out the most effective ways to coach in this league. And obviously that's led to this outcome. Hypothetically, Olgan, had they have made the semi-final series, would this decision have still come, do you think? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, my feel from speaking to people around the franchise is that if they progress to a semifinals and, and who knows what they could have done beyond that, uh, then this, this wouldn't have been as much of a foregone conclusion as perhaps the, the fans of this team would have hoped. Uh, the, the, the feel is that they would have given him a legitimate grace period and, and had a legitimate think about it. It wasn't just, we're, we're done with him, we'll move on. At that point, you do have to seriously consider keeping him on. And I think that they would have done that. Being ousted in the first playing game made this decision quite easy for this team. Brad, from a player's point of view, 
what were you seeing that was concerning you? Did you did you kind of get the sense that in some respects the players might have made their own mind up a- yeah. about the coach? Yeah, and I think what Olgan said is 100% correct. I think in one way, and it sounds awful, this was probably a better thing to happen because if it went deep, then how do you get rid of a coach that takes you that deep after what's gone on? And I, I think you could see that players weren't happy. There was no question of that. I mean, on Monday night, you, Jack and I, sorry, on Wednesday night, Jack, you and I were there and we watched players come off the court and they got their arms folded and they're shaking and throwing it up and what's going on and the coach is talking to them and you're thinking, hang on, we're in for a playing game on the game of our life right now and this is our season. And, and we're getting, having this communication between player and coach, something's not right. And I go back to a Glover, and I don't want to just make it about an Angus Glover thing, but you see, you know, Jalen Galloway didn't play many minutes, and guys are in and out, and what's going on? And Jordan Hunter, who I'm a massive fan of and think, you know, he's a huge player for that team, had started all year and now not starting. So you just know that they're just there just wasn't the right feeling. That's as simple as it is. And as a player, you just come to work and you you, you want to hone your craft and have the most fun you can, but more importantly, win. And when that's not happening, unfortunately, you look at the coach and to me, I, I had no doubt that he wasn't going to come back again from what I saw over the last few weeks, but it would have been a very tough decision to make if they went deep into that semi-final. And, and Brad, let me throw this to you as well. You mentioned Glover and there's been a lot of noise around the Glover situation and the the reported you know uh, altercation that he may have his teammate. I'm told that didn't happen. There was an altercation. I, I, there was an exchange of words between Glover and Abdelfatah during a game. Uh, from what I was told, the words that were said, it didn't seem like anything too noteworthy. It almost seemed just like competitive juices flowing. Uh, but with Glover, like there is a resentment that has now been formed because of the decisions that Abdelfatah has made, and so. Uh, there are other teams interested in Glover and there is a repairing that has to happen between Mm. the Sydney Kings and Glover because the Kings want to keep him. He is contracted, but you wouldn't blame him for looking elsewhere. What do you think Glover should do in this situation? Well, that's the key. And thing for me is, and, and whilst we're close, we're not behind closed doors. And if the issue was with Glover and the fact that it was a coach thing, well, then that thing's done right? Everyone in Sydney loves Glover. Everyone does it. And it's the club's job now with what's going to happen here because there's going to be changes. We know that. One of the key ones is always bring back your good Australian talent. Then you can build around it. And that was one of the things we were very positive about coming into this this season. They literally had their bench signed up, done. Now we just fill in our starters and do what we did. So Glover is a key to me. And even though he's contracted, Not that you want to sit down and let a player dictate it, but Glover is just a hard nut that you want playing for you. And if it's the issue between him and the coach and it was just the situation, I'm glad to hear, can I say, Elgin, that it's nothing to do with a player altercation because I would have thought people have thicker skin than just having an altercation at training. My God, we would have had no players playing back in the day because there was (laughs) altercations. So that stuff happens. So if that's the case, good, great to hear, move on. And if it was a rotation basis, then that tells me player, coach, don't see eye to eye fine that happens as well if coach mood stays and i said on wednesday night jack i don't see glover being here next year because in my mind he had a two-year contract this is not going to work now coach moves bring in the new one coach's job to say to glover we love you we saw what you did in that playoff game that's the guy i want knocking down the three getting the rebounds running the lanes and bring that hard nut back to us and we love you and stay so with that being said for angus glover for king's fans who are listening and anyone else now we get to play the game of what happens next. Olgan, I just read your report before we went to air with this one on ESPN.com.au that Brian Gorgian's name is at the top of the list. Um, 
Brad, you get to answer first on this one because you're the Sydney Kings captain. Is he number one on your wish list? He is A1. Gorge, come on back, mate. I've got some red wines ready for you. I've got your coffee shops and Coogee Beach. All the fruit shops and everyone are ready for the Gorgian stuff to come on back. We want Gorge. He would be unbelievable. And remember, he is the Sydney man. Come on, Olgan. Tell me. Gorge is coming back. Look, Brad, so I reported on ESPN that there have been internal discussions about the prospect of Gorge coming on as head coach. Uh, now, when Gorge declined that Adelaide 36's head coach job. The thing that uh, he said publicly and he said privately, and, and I think there was a there was a sincerity to it that he did want to leave that job for Scott Ninnis, that the community got around Ninnis and he wanted him to have that job. There was also a little whisper that there are other jobs that could open. Uh, and, and they may not have opened, but there was enough of a whisper that Gorge said, all right, I'll leave this Adelaide job there. One of these jobs, there's a good chance that one of them will open. And right now, the Sydney Kings one has. And so there is some mutual interest there in Gorge uh, jumping on with the Sydney Kings as head coach. Uh, there's a lot of water still to go under that bridge. Uh, but one thing is for sure is that they went through an entire or a start of a free agency last season without a head coach, without mm. the crux of their starting lineup. And that really affected the Sydney Kings team when it came to their recruitment. Getting a coach locked in ASAP. It's really important for this team. Gorge is someone who is there and available. He is someone who you can lock in ASAP. And so that wouldn't surprise me if that's the direction they go. The chats are happening, uh, but the Sydney Kings will look to get this done really quickly. Uh, Jack, if I can jump in there, and if that's okay, because I love what Olgan's saying. And again, I give credit to the Sydney Kings organization making this happen quickly. I was lucky enough to be an assistant for Gorge for two years. And in 2004, we had the Athens Olympics. He is very capable to run a program while he's doing an Olympics program. There is no doubt about that. He will do the recruiting. He will put his assistant coaches in place to make sure they run what needs to be done so that this team is firing come September and October. So I love the fact they're doing that now because give it a month or two if they waited then Gorgian's wrapped up in a boomers yeah. program and doesn't have the time so I love that they're doing that and I love that you've said Gorgian's going to become a king's coach thanks mate I'm all with it brother <laughs> <laughs> well if it's not Brian Gorgian Olgan who are the other main candidates that we know of of course and as we highlighted Sydney do have a track record of going to the G League and attracting American coaches but throw a couple of other names at us that we are aware of Look, Jack, I, as much as I know everyone loves names, uh, there aren't names I can throw at you. Like if the Trevor Gleeson is someone who has been brought up, that is not a connection that I have heard. Mm. Uh, that, is, that is not a consideration for this team at this point in time. Uh, it would not surprise me if they do look down the line at, at those G League jobs. Uh, some of those assistant coaches in the NBA, uh, G League coaches, they, there were some finalists when it came to the job that Abdelfata ended up getting, who the Kings were really high on. And so would it surprise me if they went back and looked at some of those guys who they have gone deep in conversations with before? Not really. Like it, it, This is something that has worked for this team. That's the other thing we have to remember. This is a team that won back-to-back -back championships. I think they nailed the hires of Will Weaver, of Chase Buford. This was just a situation where it looked like they had a really talented roster. And unfortunately, it looked like they missed on their head coach and this decision, this outcome was an admission of that. And so as much as this season was a failure for the Sydney Kings, you do trust the decision-making brass of this team to get it right. Uh, and so whichever direction they go, whether it's Gorge, whether it's another young G League guy or, or, or gal, uh, you sort of, you do trust Pongrass and co to make yeah. the right decision here. Yeah, I agree with that, Olga. And there's one name I'd throw in there. I don't think it would happen, but if you, if a Gorge or something like Maddie Nielsen, 
arguably the greatest Kings player that you ever played, one of my great mates and great teammates, what he's doing. I mean, why would you give up a San Antonio assistant coach on the front bench? But you know what it's like when you want to be a head coach, when you're an assistant, you're not a head coach. And is that a, is that an itch that Matt Nelson wants to scratch? I mentioned it last year. I throw everything at the guy. He is a fabulous coach. He'll be at the Boomers again. And geez, if you could bring Matty Nelson back, what a huge coup that would be. Matt, Matty Nielsen, uh, Adam Capon, Damian Cotter, these are all names that as soon as there are vacancies, a lot of eyes point toward them. But it's always very tough to see these guys who yeah. are at the front of benches in the NBA to come and be an NBL head coach. The only difference is that when it comes to this Sydney Kings job, there's a reason why Abdel Fattah came to Sydney. There's a reason why Chase Buford came to Sydney. Climbing that pathway to, to eventually, hopefully, become an NBA head coach doesn't necessarily always go through the assistant coach ranks. Maybe it's taking a detour through a team like the Sydney Kings, who have a lot of gravity in world basketball. If you can come to Sydney, be successful here, that can be a part of your stepping of, of your step ladder Brett, toward Brett being Brown a head coach. It. Brett Brown did it in the early years. He came here, went back to San Antonio, head coach at uh, 36ers, can happen. 76ers, it can happen. <laughs> Yeah, so as much as those guys are generally ruled out pretty early in the process because they are front of bench NBA assistants, the Sydney Kings are maybe the one team uh, in the NBL where you wonder, maybe. Well, it's been a big afternoon, no question about that. As we mentioned, the Sydney Kings have been very, very proactive to start making change. And, Olgan, you're expecting that what comes next as far as the coach that, well, it sounds like the ball's already rolling on that one. Is that fair? Yeah, this, this decision will happen swiftly. They don't want to be behind the eight ball going to free agency. Keep your Olgan, eyes on that. And of course, sorry, Brad. Yeah, I was just going to say, Olgan, if you can tell Gorge once he signed, I'll pick him up from the airport, mate. We can go <laughs> and get a couple of reds together. It'd be lovely. <laughs> well, keep your, keep your eyes on that. Keep your eyes on everything going on with the Sydney Kings. And of course, everything happening while we do still have very much a season to be decided. But as you can tell, there is already a lot going on in the background with teams. Thanks for being with us on NBL Now. Brad, thanks for jumping on. Olgan, also, thanks for jumping on. Appreciate your time at short notice. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for being with us on our special edition of NBL Now.